Hey, Desperate Housewives super fans, welcome back. I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is We Know What You Did. It makes us sick. We're going to tell. Deepest apologies for being late this week again. (laughs) Should we just apologize every week? We're going to have to apologize for something. Um, When did La Colombe start doing matcha? I don't know, but I can tell you it's not bad, but it's not great for the price. And the first time I got it, it wasn't sweet enough. It's actually a vanilla matcha. Okay. So I think it's a new thing that they're doing, but I had to come home and like squeeze half the honey bottle into it. Hmm. Well, I feel like you don't like straight up matcha or do you now? No. Okay, then maybe it's good quality. Because <laughs> you, you like Starbucks matcha, or you used to, but I used to like it as well, and then I changed. I like anything that's loaded with sugar, basically. <laughs> yeah, we know, we know. Um, anyway, Desperate Housewives super fans, literally deepest apologies, but I'm going to be honest. I was so lethargic because of the rain in Los Angeles that I would not have given you a good episode. I would have, ah, and I was busy, but the one day I could have recorded, I, I, there was nothing in my, there was nothing in my head. No thoughts? No thoughts. I think I spoke maybe three words until 7 PM when my parents came over. That's uh, frightening. How are you feeling now? I feel great. We're on the second day of sun. I just got back from Pilates and I feel, I feel like I'm finally getting my personality back. Good. I'm so glad to hear that because I Thank you so much love your personality. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been friends for the past well, ten I years. I have a great personality. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right to like it. <laughs> Actually. Well, would you like to start off your moment of desperation? Because I don't know that I really have one. I had quite a nice week. I had a great week, but filled with so much desperation. And I'm going to tell you guys, wait, why is my camera foggy? There we go. I'm going to tell you guys probably the most hilarious and funniest one. So we all know I love Delta Goodrum, my Australian queen. So, okay. Backstory, backstory. When I was a teenager, I would have done everything and anything to go out and meet celebrities. I don't do that anymore. Jonas Brothers, just because I have people on the inside and it's hilarious. And Delta only does things in Australia, as we know, as that's why I went on my vacation. So about a week before, I find out she's going to be honored at this gala called Good Day USA. (laughs) And I was like, well, I simply have to go. So I emailed this woman named Erin if I could get like a seat at the table, like anything. Didn't respond. So I was like, okay, whatever. I forgot about it. Didn't think about it. Then our dear friend Callie, I told her about this gala I wanted to go to. And she goes, you're going to get in. And I said, Callie, I have no reason to be there. Like, it's just not going to, like, it's not in the cards for me. And like, that's, I'm okay with it. And she goes, no, you were on stage with Delta at the Sydney Opera House. You're going to get into this gala. And I was like, yeah, okay, Callie, whatever. 
So the day of the gala comes around. I'm working from home, sending my little emails. And then I can't disclose too much here, but a person that I know DMs me on Instagram and says, I know you love Delta Goodrum. I am working this event that she's going to be at. And I said, you've got to be Good Day USA. And he said, yeah, how do you know about it? I said, of of course I know about it. So I said, you're getting me in. And he said, okay. But then I'm like, I don't really want to sneak in. Like I'm above these. I'm above that now. So I emailed Aaron again. This is maybe three hours before the event. And I said, hey, just checking in again. I'm also emailing him from my Disney email. Like I'm making it official. I'm like, just checking in again. Like I would really love to go to this event if possible. She responds, so sorry, we're full. I was like, okay. So then my friend says, just show up. Like there's so many people here. Like you can probably get in. And I was like, I just don't want to. It The event ends up being very close to my apartment, like 10, 20 minute drive. Um, and he says, I have a press wristband for you. So I said, well, now I'm coming. So I get dressed. This, uh, this is maybe 545. I wanted to be there by 6.30. The event started at 7. So I got dressed in a flash. I go down. um, It was at the Skirball Center in um, kind of like in the hills of Sherman Oaks. And so I get there. The Uber driver drops me off like in this garage. I get in the elevator with a bunch of people going up. And... I'm about, I'm, I'm like, wow, I could just walk into this event. Then there's a check-in table. And I'm like, well, I'm certainly not supposed to be here, so I'm not doing that. So I <laughs> I call my person and they go, I'm, I see you, I see you. Just follow me, follow me, follow me. So I just follow them. I go through a side door. I'm inside. The press wristband didn't even need it, but I think it was more like of a placebo effect where I felt better. I was like, oh, okay. When I saw that, I was like, cool, then I'm definitely getting in. And I just felt more confident. So I get in, I get some Australian wine, having a blast. Then it's time to go. This is like a seated gala. Like this is dinners. So that's why I was like scared to sneak in because I was like, I I don't have a seat at a table. So they say, go to either table 33 or 11. So that's like the overflow table. We're putting press there. Like, just go there. I was like, great. So I sit at table 33. I am talking. You got both angel numbers for the tables. I did. I did. And I chose 33 because 333 is my personal number. However, I sit down and I'm this like older couple is just chatting with me. We're talking. And in my, I'm like, I got this. Look at me. I, of course, I was going to get into this gala. He tells me, he's like, oh yeah, my, uh, God, I don't remember what the relation, I think he said his son was engaged to the daughter of this woman who's running the whole event named Aaron. <laughs> Desperate Housewives super fans, my hand just flew to my mouth. This is why I didn't, I, I saved this. My blood went cold. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am giving all these people my name, my occupation, the company I work at, where I'm trying to network, we're chatting. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I'm, 
I'm at the table with her entire family. She told me hours ago I can't come. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the moment where I said, I cannot wait to tell this to the Desperate Housewives super fans because this is amazing. So I'm literally just sitting there. I can't even eat my salad at this point. Like I'm freaking out. I'm just like, I kind of become an NPC. I suddenly am... Um, being like less talkative with these people because I'm like, what's gonna happen when he tries to introduce me to Aaron? Because he goes, do you know Aaron? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so then these two girls next to me, one was a reporter for People and another was a reporter for J14, were sitting next to me. Didn't know it still existed. Yeah, still existed. was she sisters with the girl from Tiger Beat? I like. I think she also does Tiger Beat. I think it was like, and she listed a bunch of other magazines. So she's just like, they report on a bunch of stuff. So I'm talking to them. And then um, the lights go down. Erin hasn't sat at the table yet. I hope she's not a listener. Um, and She's not. <laughs> In like years, she's going to stumble upon this podcast and be like, oh. But it's fine. I got everything out of G'day the USA that I could ever get. So it's, it's okay. Um so the event starts. Sebastian Stand is there randomly. It's great. It's lovely. Um, Aaron then comes during intermission when they're serving dinner. And again, I'm like, I'm getting my free meal. I'm getting free wine. Like, I'm having a great time. And the guy I was talking to earlier just goes, hey, that's Aaron. And I think he was trying to be like, do you want to introduce and I introduce her? And I suddenly just went like, I was like, in this moment... I have to just be rude and I have to just like drop my personality for a minute. And I was just like, oh, okay. So we didn't end up speaking, thank God. So I kind of had to just like go a little bit mute. And then Delta was honored. She had a lovely speech. Kelly Rowland came out. It was so fun. Then we went to the after party and I spoke to, at first, like, I'm not good at being, if somebody comes to talk to me, I'm great but I can't like start a conversation with a stranger. I feel uncomfortable and I was there by myself. So I was just kind of walking back and forth, pacing around. I was like, I just want to talk. I just want to hang out with Delta. So (laughs) then I meet this other, this girl, her name was Shu. She has an Amazon movie coming out. She's from Australia. Her name was Shu. Yes, she is Korean. So. Oh, okay. That's racist. Um, no, I, I'm thinking S-H-O-E. Like, well, she did. It was loud in there. I was like, what's your name? She goes, shoe, like the shoe on your foot. <laughs> That's cute. But it's like H, It's she said S-H-U. She has an Amazon movie coming out um, for Valentine's Day. So we have to support it. I don't remember. It's called like 50 Blind Dates or something. Um, I don't know. I just like literally ran into her and then we became friends. And she was from Australia. And she's like, I want to meet Delta too. So we go over to her. And I, she comes in, I see her photographer who like, I kind of know. And she just goes, Oh, what are you doing here? And I said in a nice way, she was like, I was not expecting to see you in here. It's Cause it's literally all people who are in Australian film. And I go, I have people in Los Angeles. And she goes, Delta, look who it is. And Delta goes, Oh my God. Hi. And then I ended up hanging out with her and her team all night. I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> I'm not surprised you got in. I guess that's really all I have to say. <laughs> it was just like such a roller coaster where I was like, we have to be in a simulation 
because there was 400 people at that event. How did I end up at the table of the woman who denied me entry? <laughs> like there were so many layers and plot lines and characters to this whole saga. I truly couldn't believe that this was real. I was like, like that's I a feel great like, short film. I feel like I was in a, I feel like I was in a sitcom. It was truly unbelievable. I felt like I was in a storyline. This would have been like Gabby's storyline in Desperate Housewives. <laughs> it sure would have. It sure would have. Wow. That's such an eventful night for you. And what a great birthday present for you too, because as our dedicated listeners know, this week was your birthday. It was. It was. Um, it rained all through my birthday weekend. That was another moment of desperation. All my friends pulled up in the middle of flood warnings. And we literally got a eh, 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 warning that said, don't get in your car. Turn around. Do not take unnecessary journeys. We all showed up at the bowling alley in the middle of this rain. And they were open? Yeah. They were. Oh, they were packed. Not packed, but like pretty busy. Wow, sounds just like my birthday this year. I know. Isn't that ironic that both of our birthdays happened in the middle of a huge monsoon? Let's see what happens with Liz and Hannah's birthdays this year. I know. Let's see. Well, Liz's is in like two days. It's not today, is it? It's in two days. Oh, okay. <laughs> you did the same thing last year where you thought it was the 8th. <gasps> yeah, I did. Because um, I used to remember everybody's birthdays, but I think I know too many people now. Yeah. So, but I can tell you it's Sarah Hoyne's birthday from high school. That's insane. Wonderful I have listener. to start marking stuff. So like Monday was you, yesterday was my friend Megan, Saturday is Liz, but I have to go down the line now with the amount of people I know. And Alan Rickman's birthday is this month too. So I have his birthday on there, but I, I haven't done my March birthdays yet. You know, so many Aquarii. Yeah, well, Alan was a Pisces, but I do know a lot of Aquarius. And Ben was the day before you, as as you already know. I did not really have a moment of desperation this week because I had a pretty nice week. It was relatively chill. I felt very nostalgic this week, I will say. And I think the major reason for that is because we finally gotten sunshine back in New York City, too. And... There's something about the combination of sunshine and chill, like not even freezing cold, but chill that reminds me of childhood. And I know what you mean. I know yeah, you mean. yeah. And specifically like sixth and seventh grade era, which were some of the best years of my life. That's a crazy thing to say. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say seventh grade is the best year of their life. Honestly, sixth was better, but seventh yeah. was not bad. Seventh was the year that Liz came to my school, so she transferred from the other school. And I think sixth was like peak year, and then seventh was trying to live up to it and never quite made it. Wow, peaked in sixth grade. <laughs> That's what you just said. <laughs> yeah. So I actually really enjoyed my nostalgic few days. As the Patreon exclusive listeners already know, I got a new job. So I've been starting that and I actually really like it. But it's nice to have my daytimes free mm -hmm. because I can really soak up that nostalgic feeling. I have my little wax melt going and 
I just read Harry Potter fan fiction the other day. And when I mean fan fiction, I say like from 1999, like I went to the last page of fanfiction.net and oh, just skimmed through the oldest fan fiction on the entire website. So that was really fun to go through and, um, you know, made my brain hurt. See, that's why years ago I told you to do just this and go to restaurants in your neighborhood and get a job because it's, I feel not for me, but I feel like for you, you like to have your daytime and you just work yeah. in the evening and it's two, two minutes away from your home. So it's not like you have a commute or anything. It's perfect. I'm going to save so much money and time commuting Yeah, because I really can. I could leave here five minutes before walking in. There's something in the handbook about you can't show up more than six minutes before your shift. They have a handbook? Oh, it's a high end. Yeah. Can you send it to me? Because I'm curious. Yeah, I'll find a way to send it to you. I was skimming through it and I saw that and I was like, well, that's perfect because I can literally walk down here at five minutes too and still be early. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's nice. Well, without further ado, should we get into the episode? Let's get into the episode. Let's get into the episode. Let's this is the start the of the episode. The start of the... So this is episode four of season two, and it's called My Heart Belongs to Daddy. My Heart Belongs to Mike Delfino is what I think it's called. Did you yes. think the same thing? Yes. Because, well, I think we have sort of deemed him Daddy Delfino in right. our heads now. And I do want to point out, listeners, that we have Mike Delfino merch on the shop on our Printify and we have a Mike shirt and buttons and it does say DILF in huge letters. If you have any requests for merch that you would like to purchase, please let us know. We are we are more than happy to accommodate. Yeah, what do you want to see you guys? We will we will do it. We start out at the Fairview County Jail. As we do. As per usual, Gabby is just strutting down and we see a whole montage about how Every Tuesday, she goes to visit Carlos, and all the inmates are always objectifying her, and it's just icky. And then one day, she goes there with her lawyer, and she's asking for a conjugal visit. I don't know how to spell this, so I just have different variations every time I wrote it down. She asks her lawyer for a conjugal visit, and he's like, that's why you're bringing me down here, you horny bitch. And she slaps him. And then all the inmates are like, don't talk about her like that. <laughs> no, I loved this part. I was cracking up. They fully start beating the lawyer through the gates and she incites a prison riot. She's giving January 6th a little. <laughs> that was the least those inmates could do after objectifying her the way they did. Exactly. Exactly. They were, she was their property, I guess. Then in the next scene, Lynette gets home. For some reason, she works later than literally everybody else in Fairview. So Parker is already asleep. I, my question that I wrote was, how late is she getting back? And so because she's spending so much time at the office, she feels like she's been missing out. Um, I will say I was really proud of Tom because he made dinner for her. And he also explains that Parker has an imaginary friend, some British lady a la Mary Poppins. And... It's really not that big of a deal, but Lynette makes it one because 
she now feels like this imaginary friend is supposed to replace her as a mother figure in Parker's life. Yeah, Tom was really giving. He's a good dad. He's a great stay-at-home father. Like we're <laughs> this just is his vocation. Live, we're seeing him live his truths. Like he's so much better this season because he's just a little scruffy. He's cooking dinner. He's learned to keep the house a little bit clean. He is the perfect golden retriever. And you know what? It's so nice to see someone live life authentically. And he's such a feminist because he doesn't care that his wife is bringing home the bacon. <laughs> Not the bacon. <laughs> so then we get to Susan and Mike. They're kissing a little bit after they've spent some time together. Um, this is not casual the way that Susan said she wanted to be. And Mike does not want to be casual. Oh, Susan makes me so mad. Okay, I got a little freaked out because they were kissing and then she's like, this is ca casual. She said something. And then, oh no, he, he pulled back and was like, we gotta keep it casual and she goes well don't treat me like brother and sister i was like that's none of this has been brother and sister susan i don't know and you if she me? thinks that's brother and sister <laughs> i'm a little concerned it's it, giving it, sweet home alabama exactly it like freaks me out a little bit i was like why so they're talking about their whole situation and Basically, Susan is like, I understand that Zach is a part of your world right now. And Mike is like, yeah, Zach is part of the package. I just wanted to be like, he held the woman you love at gunpoint. Mike, where is your brain? Why well, is this so important son. to you? Because it's his son. Who cares? Child. I don't care. I don't care. No, it's his child who he's like, he never knew about. And let's now... get Cody back on and see what he has to say about <laughs> No, this. we really should. We should DM him and be like, hey, what are your thoughts? We need to record it on the pod. Um, but no, that's his kid. So now he feels very paternal over it. He's like, he's, but he's never had a fair shot at life. He saw his mom, not dad kill his birth mother as a child and has mental health problems i love that you clarified that paul didn't do it i need to clarify that paul young is innocent and so then mike's like going home and susan runs after her she goes wait wait i'll take the package i know zach is your son i know he's not going anywhere i just want to be together and then she's she says she now accepts it because oh she also says Julie's almost fifteen she can handle herself like it's fine <sighs> I I can't get into the the semantics of Julie's age right now I can't do it <laughs> in the next scene we are back at the jail and Carlos is admonishing Gabby for inciting a prison riot <laughs> I wrote O M G they're fighting again. And Gabby explains to Carlos why. I guess that's, why. that's kind of fair. But then she said, and he's, she's like, well, I was trying to get a conjugal visit. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, even, no, like, that wasn't worth the prison riot. You would think that Carlos would want it even more than she does. Yeah, because he's the man. And he's the one who wanted this baby so bad. Yeah, but he was like, okay, get a grip. Uh, he just said they're toxic. Yeah. So then we see George and Brie together, and <sighs> I got the ick so fast. 
because Brie doesn't want to kiss George on the mouth, obviously. Um, why would she? And so she like kisses his forehead and the way, or he kisses her forehead. I don't know. One of them kissed the other person's forehead and yeah. it just gave me such ick. So I made a face at that. Andrew comes out to take out the garbage and he gets very defensive immediately. And he and George start straight up fighting. Like they, they start pushing each other. No, but it was ah. so funny because he just sees George and Bree and he goes, so are you leaving or what? Yeah. Get out of here. And because Bree goes, it's getting late. He goes, she's signaling that she wants you to leave. <laughs> He's and like, take a hint. Every time I see this, if my parents had gotten divorced, this is exactly how I would have acted. And I know that about myself. I'm fully aware like, and I just think it's so funny and he's right to do it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, I feel like George is genetically incapable of being cool. And Andrew can smell that on him. Like he's allergic to serving. Why don't we have genetically incapable of being cool merch? We will as of tonight. I don't know. It's just so like his anger towards George is just so hilarious. Like, it's just so aggressive for what? Because he's a freak. Yeah, he's a freak. I'm like, I had I had to side with Andrew this entire episode. I'm a mess. I'm a loser. I'm a hater. I'm a user. I'm obsessed with your love. It ain't you. You were so close to a Britney impression there. I'm obsessed. No, you no. went too far. You went too far. Yeah, yeah. But I think you that's one you could maybe do if you worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks oh something i also noticed about this is brie with her co their costume decisions she's very slowly starting to wear lighter colors like the first few episodes it was just all black but like as she's kind of transitioning out of her mourning they transition her more into brighter colors as the season goes on yeah i'm not sure how long her mourning period was meant to be but i would imagine it's at least a few weeks yeah so she's now she's back. she's only on a date with George because she thinks she's in love with him because of the lie detector test. <sighs> that like you're evil not. Lie detector you test. were just nervous hearing about that freak man. And speaking about nerves, let's head over to Lynette, who wakes up Parker so that she can spend a little quality time with him before she drops him at school. And she's like, "Hey, come on! Like we're gonna go get donuts or something." She gets him in the car. And Parker immediately flips out about his imaginary Mary Poppins friend. His Nanny McPhee, if you will. Yeah, she wants to take him to school and she can't find um, Mrs. Mulberry's umbrella. And he literally has a freak out in the car about it. Yeah, it's like, Parker, you have Get to calm down. You, you need you to calm down. You're being too loud. Loud. Let's add that to we're going to sing playlist. Oh, yes. We get back to Andrew and Bree, and he refuses to get to know George and he just starts calling him pathetic. And all I said was like, this is so giving gay son to me. Like a straight son could never pull this off the way that Andrew's pulling this off. That's a great point. Yeah. Like I can't explain why, but his insults are giving just because that's a homosexual. I just think it's weird that Andrew can't leave the house in a t-shirt. What do you mean? That's part of this scene is Brie won't let him leave the house to go to the swim club in a t-shirt. Oh, okay. I missed that. She, well, yeah, 
she wants him to look respectable because he's representing the family so she makes him wear a button up and oh that kind of checks that checks but like he's it was just a little club. bizarre because it's like he's he's going to the the swim club <laughs> he's gonna also, take off his clothes anyway <laughs> like, also then brie threatens to take away his swim club membership when he said I'm not going to be nice to George. I'm not getting to know him. And she goes, oh, well, I pay for your swim club. You love the swim team, right? I can take that away from you. I'm like, Brie. She's overreacting for sure. Yeah, like George is rubbing off on her. So then we get to Edie, who has been spreading the word about Zach's state and how he's crazy and missing and she gets into a fight with Susan she is they're provoking each other and it's just it wasn't um it it wasn't filling my cup the way it usually does when they fight yeah yeah because Susan's she's like you only care about Zach because you're trying to get back in with Mike you don't care about that little freak also I see she's Gab or Susan Edie is still in a leg cast. Was that actually Nicolette Sheridan's cast? Or you know what? I didn't notice that. I think because the her little accident was a couple episodes ago. I feel like they must have somehow like faked her on the roller skates in order oh. to put her in a cast because I don't think they would have kept her in the cast that long. What happened to Nicolette Sheridan? I don't know. We can probably look it up. So now we're going back to Gabby's storyline with David Bradley, the lawyer, who now I suddenly remember as soon as he comes on the screen, he hooks up with everybody. He just has a reputation for really getting around. Mm -hmm. And Gabby takes a meeting with him, or I guess he takes a meeting with her. And he almost immediately denies taking the case. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not taking it. Which is insane. But he's kind of like doing that so she'll come back. Because he just wants to hook up with her, which I feel like is kind of really bad on all levels as a lawyer. No, it is. So, mm, interesting. But where is that actor from? I've seen him in other stuff. I know. He's really familiar. Yeah. yeah I feel like he was just in a lot of stuff at this in this era. Also, I'm pretty sure David Bradley is the name of the guy who plays Filch in Harry Potter. So the fact that it's this character's name is also kind of funny. I don't know who Filch is. You read all the books. Seven years ago. You should remember. Do you know how many books I've read since then? A lot of books. Like 20? Probably 100. 100? I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books. So do you. (laughs) We had a book club during the pandemic. I was thinking about our book club recently. It was so good. I know I miss it a lot because I'm rereading The Hunger Games right now. Oh. And I miss the book club. I know. I I wish we had the time to get back to that and just regularly be reading with each other. I know. It was so fun. (sighs) Desperate Housewives super fans, somebody start a new pandemic. Thanks. (laughs) I thought you were going to say somebody start a new book club, but that's... I could... Listen, I could use another lockdown i really liked i know me too so then lynette goes to a meeting with the barcliff people she's been called in about parker's imaginary friend because he 
tried to impale his teacher <laughs> with the umbrella. And a student and a girl. Really? I didn't realize yes, all that. He beat um, a little girl with the umbrella. Parker needs therapy, basically, and he's not getting it. So then Lynette pulls out the waterworks, which I wasn't expecting. No, like, she's really upset that she's not a present mother. And I really, like, I feel like in season one, we didn't really appreciate the Tom and story, Tom and Lynette stories. Because we were like, D-story, D-story, D-story. But these are the most, like, realistic storylines. She has all this mom guilt from being away which dads don't really have because they just go to work and come home and see their kids whenever. But moms feel a little bit more connected to their kids, so they feel bad when something like this is going on. It makes you wonder if male seahorses have the same emotions that human mothers do. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But unless we can ask one, I don't think we can get an answer to that question. <laughs> Desperate Housewives super fans, if anyone has the contact information of a seahorse, or like please. A, or like a seahorse um, anthropologist Expert. or something. <laughs> we get to Bree, George, Andrew again. And George is telling a story about how um, he was – looking over the San Francisco bridge and people thought he was about to kill himself. Did you hear him say people had called 911 from their cell phones? No, I did not notice him say that. Yeah, that was part of his story. He was like, people had called 911 from their cell phones and he's like laughing at his own thing. But I just thought, again, that's like one little line that really dates the show because he it wasn't just people were calling 911. It was from their cell phones like that's a huge deal no i didn't catch that one um i was just too focused on how he's using a story about how people thought he was about to commit suicide um (laughs) like at a casual dinner table and then andrew is like laughing and being really polite and being nice and then brie walks away and he goes george have you ever been with a woman before? <laughs> Andrew's been with more women than George has. Probably as a as a young gay. And um he it's just like a very again only a gay son could pull off this scene cuz he starts talking about what his mom sounds like when she climaxes and that was a crazy thing to say. That was a crazy thing to say. And he goes I mean, it's obvious that you're not a player. Like, it was just, it was so beautifully delivered. Great job. Great just job. Just like these, yes, ama- like, the most underhanded comments that, like, <laughs> are they an insult, but are they not? Like, it was so good. And then um, Brie comes back and gets the dessert, and she makes, like, the same noise as she's, like, trying the dessert that Andrew had just imitated and that makes george so mad and he just goes go to your room like he stands up (laughs) as if he has any business disciplining somebody else's kid and then andrew just goes i don't know why you're upset with me mr williams we were just having a conversation and Bree's like what did he say and he goes i can't repeat the things he was saying, I can't, but he needs to go to his room. And Bree's like, you can't just discipline my kid. 
Like, I was so glad there. that Brie stuck up for Andrew Me in that too. moment. Me too, because Andrew's really taking me out. And then he just runs, George just leaves. Then we see Gabby with the lawyer again. I don't re really remember what happened other than him making a pass at her because I wrote, he's an SOB, and that was it. <laughs> well, he's hitting on her, and she's like, he's, she's like, I just want my conjugal visits. And he's like, you need to do better. Like, you can, you're a beautiful woman. And she goes, you know I'm pregnant, right? And he goes, <gasps> oh, right. And he goes, uh... $400 an hour and she goes I better have my my visit by by tomorrow at noon so he's just like oh okay so then Mike and Susan go to the runaway park <laughs> to look for <laughs> Zach and so Susan? what when Susan finds Zach and she starts yelling like Zach Zach and she's chasing after him and he's sprinting away i wrote that it's giving cat again i said the same thing <laughs> i said she sees zach and he runs like a cat again <laughs> that's so funny he's literally he's a cat like <laughs> he just, he just goes, <laughs> like he's freaking it's so funny the way he runs because <laughs> I'm thinking about him running from Felicia yes. parallel to this. It's so fun. I need somebody on TikTok, Wisteria Women, whoever, to do an edit of that. Like, just a side-by-side. -side. Please, because it's so fun. It's just like, he runs like a Waluigi. <laughs> you love Waluigi. No, I hate Waluigi, but he just runs like that crazy character. Desperate House Super Fans, have you ever played Super Mario? Um, <laughs> Super Super Mario Party Superstars against the computer, and have you ever won? It has to be possible, right? Well, Heather won the other night, but there were three of us and one of them. But when it's two on two, I literally was in the lead. And then at the end, they said bonus stars and gave them. <laughs> only gave them to the NPCs. We only won when we gave ourselves four bonus stars to start. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally called handicap mode. <laughs> no, it's like twisted. But wait, back to the park, back to the park. They're literally looking around for this runaway kid. And Susan's fully taking this on a date. He's like, thank you so much for coming with me, Susan. And she goes, I'm just happy to spend time with you. I'm going to go get us ice cream. And that's when she finds Zach and it's the runaway run around like cat and mouse. And she gets back to Mike and she has ice cream all over herself. She's like, ah, I got you ice cream and then I ate it. And she doesn't tell him that she saw Zach there. Which is just the worst thing she could do. She really yeah. should have just said it. So then she's recounting the story to Brie and I think Gabby later. Mm -hmm. And they're just both kind of like, oh my God. <laughs> mm -hmm. Gabby says he's a little freak and don't worry about it. And then Brie is like, well, you know, that was Mary Alice's son. If he has any chances at a better life, it's to be back here. So maybe you should reconsider not telling Mike. And the reason we don't see Lynette in this scene is because 
she's at home with Tom. They're talking about the situation with Parker. Tom's just getting like more and more likable by the scene. And Tom's trying to comfort Lynette after just everything she's been through with Parker. Also, I guess we can sort of question why only Lynette went to the, the meeting with the principal and the teacher and like Tom wasn't called in as well. But Tom is basically like, here, you know, you know what always makes me feel better is a hug. And so he hugs her and it's like, it's a really sweet, tender moment. And so Lynette goes up to talk to Parker and just be sweet with him. And Parker is so rude, unnecessarily out of pocket. Brie and George, Brie, um, wait, Brie and George, what? I, They're I breaking wrote, up. No, I wrote something so in, ineligible. Illegible. Illegible. <laughs> Illegible. <laughs> Bilingual father strikes again. Um, no, I caught that one. I said Brie wants to go us in him because he's acting out. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, okay. I think I, I think I know what this was. So with Brie and George, Brie, George off camera tells Brie what Andrew said. And she's like, you know, she's not upset with him. She's like, okay, I think he's acting out and I feel like I need to spend more time with him. You know, his dad just died. Like, I think that's probably the reason and george is like you need to send him away back to the back to the camp and brie was like no that place was a little harsh like i don't think i want to i don't want to do that and george is like i wouldn't want to either i really like andrew no you don't you just want to get him sent away obviously yeah and some really excellent touches in this scene even with the nonverbal acting we see that they're having watermelon and george puts salt on his uh, the way a psychopath would. So that was some really great addition to the scene as well. Wait, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. No, he fully salts his watermelon. He gives me chills. So basically, Bree is like, I'm not sending him back to Camp Hennessy unless he actually, like, acts out and does something big and bad. So, of course, that gets George's gears turning. Mm -hmm. Then we're at the conjugal visit. And... It's a little bit fade to black. They basically waste no time getting into things. But after they've done the deed, Gabby is starting to ask about their future together. And she's obviously a little concerned. He's in jail. She's out of jail. They're having a baby. I can't believe she's fully like committed to this kid now. I know. I feel like it happened so quickly. I know. I'd still be really mad. Or she could have gotten rid of it. But... I don't think they allowed that on TV back in 2006. Um, so we get back to Susan. She goes back to the park. She sees Zach. Zach has like a layer of grime on him. He clearly has not showered. He looks dirty. And she sees him. She goes, don't run. Like, like a cat. You have to slowly approach a cat. She's slowly like. Hi, it literally reminds me of back when I had like outdoor cats growing up and I would have to go get them outside and I would see them and they would run away. If I ran too fast, they would run in the woods. Um, and he goes, oh, I can't run from you because I hurt my foot. And she goes, okay, well, when was the last time you had a meal? Like, let's get lunch. So they get lunch. 
Angie tells me he wants to come back. I thought Cody's acting was phenomenal in this scene. I think I wrote good job, Cody. Um, <laughs> and he's got like crazy eyes. He's like, I think about Julie all the time. He's asking about Julie. And they're debating kind of like what to do. And you can see Susan's fighting this inner battle when she finally says, go find your father. And she's encouraging him to go look for Paul instead of like coming back to the lane with her. Terry Hatcher in the scene was also, it was just such a good scene because you can see her demeanor change. Yeah. Like you could just see it in her eyes. She's like, you have to come back with me. Like there's so much you don't know. And then when he starts going, Julie, Julie, I love Julie. She just has this like ghostly look in her eyes. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to give you some money. Go find Paul. Then Lynette throws out the umbrella. I wrote LOL, like as she should, mm -hmm. as she should. And the way the wind blows and things happen, the umbrella blows into the street and Parker witnesses, in air quotes, Mrs. Mulberry get run over by a truck. That's so <laughs> traumatizing. Yeah. And so he's like, Mrs. Mulberry's dead. And then he goes and hugs his mom. But psychologically speaking, because this was also a plot line in The Nanny, she, he could have, that's, that Mrs. Mulberry doesn't exist. She could have just, you know, dropped her umbrella and he could have been like, oh my God, Mrs. Mulberry's umbrella. Like we need to get her a new one. Right. But psychologically, now that his mom was back around, he didn't need Mrs. Mulberry anymore, so he let her be killed off. The next scene is the craziest in the entire episode. Do you want to tell us why? I sure do. Um, so Andrew's in his little swim meet, and George has it in his mind that Andrew needs to do something crazy to get back to, to sent to Camp Hennessy, and he also knows that Andrew's pretty erratic. So Andrew's like doing his little swimming. And in the middle, George gives Brie a gift and she hugs him. And Andrew like is watching this as he's swimming. And then George is being like overly affectionate to bother Andrew and starts like making out with Brie. And Brie's like, wait, stop, stop, stop. Andrew jumps out of the pool and starts beating him. But the way he like rows out, like he, he's in his lane and then he just swims to the side and he just, <laughs> Like, freaking, I don't know, like, Aquaman or something. Like, he just pulls himself out and he goes, Stay away from my <laughs> mother! And jumps at him and starts beating him. Um, And then, when all is said and done, everybody's like, Andrew, I can't believe you do that. And George is like, oh, oh my god. But he looks at Andrew and the look that he gives him, it was just such a subtle moment. He just... It was so sinister. Sinister smile. And Andrew's the only one who catches it, of course. So Andrew knows exactly what had just happened. He went, he went, my name is Regina George. <laughs> George. Regina is a fugly cow. It was a little bit Radio Rebel. <laughs> Radio Rebel. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> okay, I sat down with the president of Disney Channel and said, I want to make history. And that's what this is. <laughs>
the closing monologue for Mary Alice is about fathers. And I just got really sad watching Andrew pack up his stuff for Camp Hennessy. I wish he had had the opportunity to kind of like fight back and explain what actually happened. Me too. Me too. But I understand Bree's decision. And then Lynette is crying in bed and Tom comes in and consoles her. But then you can also see the look on Tom's face and he's like a little unsure too. Um, Mike is walking bongo. Gabby's sleeping in the trailer. And then we fade to black. Um, I know you have to go, but we didn't see any apple white in this episode, which I think was interesting. Um, Also, you guys, by the way, that's the episode, but just real (laughs) quick, real quick. um, A few weeks ago, I told you how much I love Vita Clean. I feel like I'm doing an ad read right now. I told you guys how much I love VitaClean um, hair filter, and I'm literally an influencer now. So I got you guys a code for 15% off. I will be using that, by the way. Yeah, seriously, because it's actually the best thing I've ever purchased in my life. So you, I can, I'll, I'll post a link on our Instagram, and I'll put it in the show notes. But the code is we are going to tell. So make sure to do that. I was fighting hard for you guys, and I'll do like a little – a little video on um on instagram and tiktok if you want to see the filter but it's literally life-changing and i want all of our listeners and all my friends to have one because i'm obsessed with it and i'll be reminding you guys every single week because i want everybody in the world to have one and have a nice cool shower thank you christy thank you vita clean and until next time this has been we know what you did it makes us sick We're going to...